0: Welcome to the NC Raw podcast. I'm currently uh, driving around downtown Asheville on my lunch break. I'm spending this Saturday afternoon taking peer support training at Sunrise uh, Recovery Community in downtown Asheville. And so I'm just trying to get this podcast uploaded real quick on my lunch break. So I apologize if this audio isn't up to our traditional standards. Wanted to. Uh, make a couple of quick announcements before I introduce today's guest. We are like 30 days away from hitting the road for the Pacific Coast. Myself, Caleb McCoy, and Caitlin McCoy are um, taking on a new adventure over the summer. We uh, will be, uh, if you guys know, Caleb uh, ran the Trail of Tears last summer. Uh, from Cherokee, North Carolina to Oklahoma. And he came back and wanted to do something a little bit longer and bigger this summer. So we decided to um, partner together NC Raw and Res Hope for this Pacific Coast run cycle. Um, and it's some exciting stuff. We're going to be hitting the road for like the Canadian border near Washington and heading south for about six weeks. Caleb's gonna be running and cycling uh, and I will be documenting most of that through um, both daily vlogs that we're gonna be posting on our YouTube channel, as well as like a weekly podcast where we're gonna check in with various recovery communities and churches and all kinds of groups and organizations out on the West Coast and talking to them and seeing what they're doing. So uh, super exciting stuff. If you guys have any interest in supporting our efforts we we can't do it without you guys um we do we're gonna need some support so if that's something that you might be interested in go ahead and contact caleb through facebook or you can get a hold of myself um, facebook or twitter and instagram at nc raw steve is the handle Um, but shoot me a message, find out how you can get involved. We're going to need some supports, food, gas, stuff like that. you can also check out our Patreon page and support us that way. It's patreon.com slash NCRaw. You can sign up to be a NCRaw patron. Um, that'll definitely contribute to our effort. So we appreciate all the support in these types of projects and, and we love Uh, The response that we get from you guys. So, uh, check that out. Today's guest is my good friend, my brother, Mr. Trevor Gates. Uh, If you haven't listened already, Trevor was on episode number 31 way back last year uh, around November. So, you may want to hit the pause button and go back and check out that episode. Um, Trevor is just a super inspirational cat. When I first met him a few years ago, um, he was experiencing some significant um, mental health struggles. And he's really like committed to challenging himself and growing over the last two years. And it's just been an inspiration to see him grow from where he was at to the person he has become today. Uh, He has some super exciting things happening in his life. So check out episode 31 um, and then, you know, come back and check this one out. So with all that being said, go ahead and give a ton of love to my brother, Mr. Trevor Gates.
1: i Living a miracle, standing divisible, connected to God in my physical, essence of my spiritual presence is visible, totally leaving you unaware of my mental subliminal, used to be a criminal, living so minimal, but things have changed in my life, is going through different intervals, finding that balance is significantly difficult, timing is everything, so my timing is critical, rhyming is literal, the unforgettable, it's why you stand before you, impeccably so presentable, I give respect to you, know that I am respectable, I've always wanted acceptance, is that acceptable? I give the I'm expected to be exceptional, and I'm a grown man, handle business like a professional. I get be credible, legal conventional, they do stop and make them chasing my dreams to go for
0: the opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Ready, set, go. Boom. What's up, brother
1: man? What's up? Good to see you. Good to see you for not the first time because I got these in December, but first time on NC Raw, I actually see your face. Yeah. What do you think? Not impressed. What do
0: you think of all this equipment? <laughs> what, what do you think of all this equipment, man? All the
1: equipment? Excellent. Your face? Yeah.
0: I'm trying to figure out what's going on with this. Uh,
1: Your drink there? With my, Yeah, this <laughs> drink.
0: It's got, I've never seen this before, but it's got like a plastic tab on top of it. You like flip it up and slide it back. Um, I don't typically drink Mountain Dew. However, there wasn't many caffeinated options outside of soda down at the, at the uh, vending machine. We're here at Southwestern Community College. And we wanted to catch up with you, since we last spoke. A lot of things have changed in your life.
1: A lot of things. A lot of things have happened. I got these. It, I got the glasses a month and a half after my original appearance on the podcast.
0: Do you remember when that was?
1: It was. It when you were been, on. When I was on. I don't remember the date.
0: It's back in November. November. Or it was almost exactly six months ago.
1: Exactly six months ago? Just about, yeah. Wow.
0: Just about exactly six months ago. Um, I went back to look at the date or the episode number because there was some confusion as to what it was. But um, so you got like a lot of things have changed in your life. So you've got some really like wonderful opportunities on the horizon. Mm-hmm. You've been super involved in various um, organizations and various community based stuff uh and you got a big day coming up i do on tuesday is it when saturday saturday this the co- 18th. next yeah. saturday next saturday so like a week from this weekend it's pretty big What's pretty happening? emotional well
1: it's my first college graduation
0: <laughs> first of
1: many first of many <laughs> uh-huh because i'm not stopping here something's i don't know the universe is telling me to take it as far as i can take it which would be a doctorate um, but this is, this is the big one. This is um, because it's the first one. It's, I proved I could do it to the people who said I couldn't, and especially to my own thoughts that said I couldn't. Yeah. Um, that's the big thing is, it just feels like it's, it's a like at the pinning ceremony, the theme was mountaintop experience. I feel like it's, it's one huge mountain. Mm -hmm. finally at the top of time to go climb some more.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I know firsthand that you've worked really hard on, on this. And there were many people, um, who told you you could never get to this point in your life, right? Definitely. Um, for anybody that's listening, this is my good friend, Trevor Gates. And he was on the podcast in November. So... If you're listening or watching, you might want to like hit the pause button, go back, go back, and kind of get the uh, baseline story for what a lot of the references that we may or may not, may or may not make today uh, may make sense. So you might want to check that out first, or just keep on listening and go back to it at a later time. It um, all makes sense, eventually. yeah. So like when you were first here. You're in the middle of doing some fundraising. I think that's a good place to kind of set this up and kind of start from. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we'll kind of get into some of the other stuff. So, like, you were here because you were doing some fundraising to raise money for... These right here. Uh, What's that? These are
1: called eSight. eSight Eyewear. They're electronic glasses um, designed to give the visually impaired and legally blind their sight back. Okay. And
0: How much money did you raise?
1: I raised, we raised, excuse me,
0: it, it was a
1: community effort. It was. Um, we raised $6,500. Okay.
0: Prior to taking ownership of those things, what was your vision like?
1: I um, could not see. I was um, blind, um, legally blind. I was not able to make out people, places, or things. I can only see light and shadow, a little bit of color. If I lift these up, everything in here that I can... All this amazing equipment and you will disappear. Mm-hmm. And it I was cane-dependent, am cane-dependent, because unfortunately these um, aren't advanced to the point where they completely give me back the freedom of uh, sight. But even what they do give is in, in, an incredible amount of freedom.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what your life was like before you had those. Okay. Before you had the glasses. Have you always been visually impaired? Have you always... Has it always been consistent? Was it something that progressively got worse?
1: It progressively got worse um, over time. Um, when I was young, they, I did have vision problems, but... It appeared to just be, you know, normal vision problems. You know, kids, you know, not seeing well, not able to see the board, so you go and get a description, you get some glasses. I had astigmatism. Um, they're like, okay, well, your vision's not great, so we're going to give you glasses. But I complained for years, years that the that they didn't work, that the glasses didn't work. And my parents thought, because it's kind of typical for kids to – not, li- not want to wear glasses because our society paints people glasses as not being um, cool or attractive or whatever. And kids will go out of their way not to have to wear glasses to not be seen as uh, a, a geek or whatever. And that's what everybody thought because I just complained so much. But it was, in the core of it, it was true. Like there was some of that going on too because, you know, I was a, a kid. But the core of it was that they really never helped me. Never once did I get a pair of glasses. From the time I think I got my first pair of glasses when I was around nine, um, from nine to um, twenty-two uh, years old, I never had a pair of glasses where I said, "Wow, I didn't know that that you can see individual leaves on trees." Because I've heard other people say that, but when they got their glasses, like nah, I still can't see that. Still can't see the board um and it got progressively worse um it started to actually actively deteriorate they discovered when i was about 17 but i'll still go on the doctor regularly and it wasn't noticeable yet like with the with the frequent checkups it didn't
0: seem like there was a problem so they didn't, they didn't catch it they didn't recognize exactly that it was deteriorating yeah because it was, up until that point, it was pretty gradual. hmm pretty gradual, right?
1: mm-hmm. pretty um, consi- consistent. It wasn't drastic. But because of life reasons, um, I didn't go to the eye doctor again after high school for, like, four years. So I didn't go back until I was um, uh, 21, 22. And in that four, four-and-a-half-year period... Uh, when I went back to the eye doctors, they said, Well, we discovered your division, your vision, your vision has deteriorated rapidly. Like you went, because in that time, I'd went from, and it's hard to explain, it's, uh, unless you see through my eyes, it, it would. it's hard to give you an exact picture of what I was dealing with, but I'll do my best. Um, I'd went from being able even though everything was blurry and people's faces weren't recognizable until they were very close. I went from being able to walk around safely enough where I could miss the walls and miss and not, not feel in danger.
0: Not fall on your face or trip on a curb. Exactly. You could navigate campus or navigate around where you needed to.
1: Exactly. I could, I could survive. Like, if we got into a big city where there's a lot of um, street crossing, probably would need, need some help even back then. But it got to the point where that went away. Uh, my f- uh, confidence went away because my vision got worse and um, things it, getting around, navigating even the environments I knew became dangerous and it became really terrifying. I wouldn't even go on stairs. I hated elevators, but I couldn't see to walk down stairs. So,
0: so I just went with the elevator. Um, Can you put your finger on the moment where you kind of realized that I haven't been to the eye doctor in three or four years and something's definitely going on? Is there like a recognizable moment or what led up to you really making an effort to go back? Um, well, I would say it was like a month's
1: worth of, um, me getting really lucky that I didn't get hurt because I just started running into more walls. Um, people, I can, it was definitely a noticeable change, um, to the point, it was at the point where I couldn't, I couldn't make out anyone, um. At first, you know, I could still see their silhouette, but I couldn't. I couldn't tell what skin color they were. I couldn't tell um, if they were looking at me, if unless they were um, really recognizable, you know, body wise. Like maybe maybe I had a friend or that was super voices, tall. Voices, like their voices. Uh-huh. Um, their physical appearance was. It just looked like far away, blurry aliens to me, and. I just started running into more stuff. I started being more terrified going downstairs because I couldn't tell where one step began and the other one ended, if that makes sense.
0: All of this while you had been enrolled and taking classes right Mm -hmm. for like two years. Two years. In the classroom, having to navigate around a college campus,
1: I was it, it was right in the middle of probably a very in, intense it, no it definitely was. It was one of the most intense semesters I'd had um up to that point. And it, and I didn't I didn't tell anyone uh, for a while that I was having more problems cuz I didn't know how to say the environment around me that I used to be able to um, easily navigate has gotten really hard to see and I'm scared to go downstairs. I didn't know how to tell people that so
0: was it were you afraid to tell people that or you yeah. just didn't necessarily know how to like articulate it
1: it was a little bit of both i didn't know how to describe what was going on because it was like I was in an in between stage of being able to see and not like i could still see a whole lot better than i can now you um, could see light you could, could see silhouettes, silhouettes of people uh-huh. but nothing i could see made sense if that makes you you get what i'm saying Mm -hmm. visually the information i was getting didn't make sense i didn't i didn't know whether to stop at
0: this blurry object or keep going i couldn't tell if it was just something there was no kind of cues to let you know what was going on in your environment
1: exactly and a chair turned into just a a blurry blob that i couldn't tell if i should miss or not
0: um, what about your grades man? They started to suffer uh, you noticed it in your in your work or you're that probably the amount of effort that you're having to yeah it took me a it?
1: lot it took me a lot longer. Luckily, I already had support in place for my visual problems I already had. Mm-hmm. So I, it wasn't like I fail you know it wasn't it wasn't a plummet dam. Because I already had supports in place, I was kind of lucky. Had a little bit of a, a safety net to where my grade—I didn't go from A's to C's. Um, my work got um, the quality of work I was able to do um, suffered because I was—I didn't have the level of ability that I did before. So I had to really quickly learn to adjust, and it took things took longer. Um, I had to start. Um, I knew I needed to learn how to use screen readers because I could no longer rely on um, my eyes to edit. And a couple, I turned in a couple assignments that had some funny typos in them that I would have caught if I could see it to Lori. And I'm like, okay, this is getting it's getting a little hard. And, but it wasn't a, a major problem because of the sports I already had in place.
0: Yeah what was the defining moment that made you go in made me go to the doctor mm-hmm. um,
1: I could no longer at all see my see my mother's face anymore yeah. and video games and stuff I loved that were visual based was out of the question I couldn't use my cell phone anymore um, like I was used to look I already kind of knew um, how to get to some of the settings that I didn't use at first because they were for more for people that had more of a problem visually, but I knew how to get to them. So I had people help me turn those, on, turn those on, and I just, like, made do until I knew what was happening. Yeah. But I didn't... I really didn't let anyone know how much of a problem I was having. And that that's kind of a um, character flaw. I, I kind of keep... I've always been the type to keep stuff to myself until it gets really bad. Um. So it was probably a bit of a shock when when I first came in um to classes with a cane and for a while stopped looking people in the eyes cuz I couldn't see their eyes anyway.
0: Yeah, we we had private conversations even to like prior prior to you walking in, walking around campus or showing up with it, right? Like mm-hmm. you you talked openly about like what what that would be like, what that transition I was worried, you were. Um, but let's take a step back and talk about like how you handled the news and when that doctor came in and told you what was actually happening had it been four years prior since your last eye exam vision drastically deteriorated what was that conversation like
1: it was uh, a shock but I had a really great. Doctor, she was very comforting. Um, she wasn't gonna lie to me, but she wasn't just like, um, you know, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, she was honest but compassionate. She wasn't just brutally honest, like, "Oh, you're out of luck, kid, you're going blind." She, it was honesty with compassion, and it was hard. Uh, my grandmother was the only one uh, there with me. Um, she came. She came in. They did all these tests uh, on me. And I mean, there was a
0: period where you were going to like traveling to like Durham. That Raleigh. was after the the yeah, initial.
1: Uh huh. Um. Yeah, I went went to so many um specialists and the people. I went to Duke University to to see their specialists for tests. No one could tell me why that and that started with that first doctor because I asked her, why is this happening? And she said, honestly, we don't know yet. We only thing we know is your vision is noticeably extremely worse and we believe it's still actively deteriorating. I got quiet for a minute and which I can tell she's she's used to having to... Um, navigate those type of hard conversations with people because she just let me soak it in. And she stayed right there and let the silence be there for a second. And then I just asked her, I said, am I going blind?
0: What was her answer?
1: She said, I cannot give you a yes or no. Because I don't know. But it doesn't look good. And... It was really quiet. It felt like it was one of those moments that felt like it was longer than it was.
0: Time freezes.
1: Yeah, time froze. Like, I knew there was a problem. Kn- That's why you went. That's why I went. I knew there was a problem. I knew I had vision problems my whole life. and But this was the first time someone said, okay, there's a problem. It's not just, oh, you just have bad vision. Let's find some new glasses.
0: And when you asked her, her response wasn't no either.
1: It wasn't no, mm-hmm. it wasn't yes. It was I cannot give you an answer. And that's that hit me like, oh <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of a lot of searching to do then. And then it started. Um they sent me all around um North Carolina. Uh talked about sending me further, but that wouldn't come to pass because eventually the doctors figured, um, the core of what was happening out, but I went to multiple, got multiple uh, different tests um, in Asheville, um, here, in uh, Durham, all across the state. Um, went some of the, the best specialists, uh, you know, all the doc- other people I saw said yes, they're the best. You know, if there's something they can figure out, they're the one that ones that can figure it out. And most of them though. Said the exact same thing. Your vision's deteriorating. We don't know why. I heard that probably from five different specialists, and finally they had come to realize that the problem did not lie in my eyeballs themselves, because all the tests said that you know the actual um, organs were healthy and okay. I still had that stigmatism, but nothing was explaining why I couldn't see until they realized that um, the problem lied in my optic nerve and I have a this is how the doctor explained it because apparently it's pretty rare and because they didn't they don't have anything they can do to help that's why they um, didn't suggest any surgeries or any, any options to improve but the doctor explained it to be a genetic variant to the, ma- the macleod generation. So it wasn't the macleod generation, but it acted similar. And it was worsened because when I was born, my optic nerve was underdeveloped. And that underdevelopment sped up my um me losing my vision like 20, 30, 40 years. They yeah. said if if this one if it if you would have been um a little luckier and your optic nerve would have been fully developed from birth. You probably wouldn't have lost your vision to this point until you're like 40s, 50s, you know, 60s or my upper years. But that underdevelopment sped up this genetic disease and I lost it at 20
0: in my 20s. Yeah. Leading up to all of this stuff that's happening, um, you know, because it, it was just one of those things where like you kind of had you had some concerns you went to the doctor and you got some pretty you know devastating news right mm-hmm. something it's like one of those things where you're like you know something's wrong it could be that and they kind of gave you they didn't give you the best they didn't give you the news you were looking for mm-hmm. right they didn't give me an answers they didn't give you answers it's one of those things where you want to like you want to know why you want to know if um repairable if there's something that can be done and but leading up to that like in your life prior to all this coming down at one time you had been doing a lot of personal work a lot you had done a lot of work on yourself right Mm -hmm. so I guess what I want to know is like how did you how did you respond to this news like what did you do what action did you take how did you how did you cope with receiving that type of news
1: well um I was fortunate like like you said I would spent years prior to that news working on myself I had um got myself through um a long long stint with suicidal idolation um I just been doing a lot a lot of good stuff for myself for my mental health physical health um I was at a really good place, so it hit me um, more like a punch in the face rather than a nuclear bomb, which it would have been the lat the latter if it would have been um, two two year two and a half years late uh, earlier. Um, I doubled up da- double up doubled up on my coping skills. I started going to more groups, as you know. Um, I reached out to my friends more. I started talking to more of the people I knew that would listen, um, and not have necessary advice, but just were good listeners and would give me the space to express whatever fear or anger I was having with the situation. I started, I had a goal, uh, started a goal. Um, I wanted to, Um, meditate every day for a solid year. Uh, I was already, um, on that, but (laughs) as you know, because you're giggling, some shenanigans happened.
0: James tried to hack your account, man.
1: Yeah, that's totally what happened. You're listening, James. I know you did that. I know you're the reason I couldn't get back into that account, because I had like what?
0: We're just kidding.
1: A hundred something days on Mm -hmm. there. Um... But I made a goal that I was because I I'd, I'd had this goal, but it wasn't really solid. I, I was like, yeah, I want I want to do that. I, want, I can totally meditate. I totally want to meditate um, every day for a year. But it wasn't a solid, put to stone, intentional goal yet. It was just a a pipe dream or something you, something you say that you never actually put the effort in. Like a New Year's resolution. Like yeah, like it it, it was a a New Year's resolution type of goal up until after that. Then I was like. I'm gonna do it. I'm I'm gonna meditate every single day. Um, for 20 minutes is was my goal. But if it's you know five, if it's 10, whatever, in some form or fashion, I'm gonna meditate every single day.
0: Why meditation?
1: That it turned into my happy place. Uh, my breath was at that point, um, and especially now, even more now, was a safe zone where I felt safe. Um, you had experienced. I had experience with it. I experienced
0: uh, like has it helped you with other things in the past?
1: Oh yes. Oh definitely. It helped me get it's helped me get got uh, it's helped me um, get through so much because when I do it, um, unlike my vision that was leaving me, the breath was consistently there. Unlike people that, you know, would would be one way, uh, one moment, another, the next. My breath was always the same. And I found comfort in that.
0: How many days are you up to?
1: I am at 353 days. so
0: Approaching the one-year mark.
1: Approaching the one-year mark, 365. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to dedicate, um, try to get to a two-year, maybe. I might... If I happen if something happens and I happen to miss a day. Go big or go home, man.
0: Hit the five year.
1: Hit the five year. Five yeah. years straight every single day. Five years. But it I feel really accomplished. Like this I mean, I've been dedicated to school. Um, but this is like something I set my mind to and in any way possible I was gonna make it happen. Mm-hmm. So if I wasn't gonna get home until late, I meditated in the moving vehicle while I was going home. I meditated...
0: In between classes.
1: In between classes. Mm-hmm. I meditated <laughs> during a trip that we'll talk about later on the on the ground in a parking lot. <laughs> um, there were some stressors going on, but I just plopped right down and hit the bell. Um, that is one big... That's probably one of the biggest things other than... Um, people who supported me that helped me get through those first couple of months but the people man the people like i never expected in my life so many people to rally around me and refuse to let me slip because you heard it in my voice when i came to tell you uh lori clancy heard it in my voice i've said it before on the podcast and other speaking arrangements um, Lori Clancy literally told me that she was refusing to let me fall into depression over it, uh, over that news. Cause she could hear in my voice that it was hitting me. It was hitting me hard. And people did that. People checked up on me. They didn't let me just, you know, they didn't let me isolate. They didn't let me, um, fall into it you know
0: that's a big difference from like what your prior experience had been is that like all of that effort all of that work that you had done you had created an environment right you had created an environment around you that was conducive to people who were willing to who weren't going to let you fail, who weren't going to let you fall back into old thinking patterns, who were going to support you through whatever kind of news that the doctor had for you, right? Mm -hmm. Because you had done all that work for the last two or three years. um, You had established the skills and established the um, meditation practice prior. You had uh, healthy connections all around you, people who cared about you, people who loved you. So that when this thing, when this news broke, you had a skill set to turn to, mm-hmm. right? It
1: it was a skill set, a safety net. Like they, they um, were encouraging me to sit with it, to work through it, but they refused to let me get um, consumed by it because i done that. That had been a result of my mental health conditions um, in the past is I would get consumed by whatever was going on and everything else in my life would suffer, like my grades, like relationships. But this time it was completely different.
0: Yeah. So you got the news. Yep. You set a goal to meditate every day for a year. And you began to talk to the people who were important to you, right? You got you could talk to um, the people who were involved in your life. What was the next step? Like, what did you have to do? What? I had to
1: adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed resources. I didn't know how to live life as a blind man, I guess. Uh, I was visually impaired. But there's a real difference when... See, this is a, the thing that a lot of people don't understand. It's not one or the other, one side of the corner or the other. You can either can see or can't. It's a spectrum. It's some people can see, but what they can see doesn't make sense. So they still need support visually. For me, I could see, but everything was just distorted and...
0: There's no ability to process what. There's no ability to process Mm
1: -hmm. exactly. So I had, I had to learn how to let go of any attachment I had with this with the visual sense.
0: I'll tell you though, like one thing that you I noticed throughout this is that you like would blow my mind in um, your ability to recognize voices. Oh yeah, right. And that got we would it crazy crazy like we would meet somebody. One time, right, mm-hmm. and Alex. then, and Shout then out. two or three years later, like briefly meet somebody one time, and then two or three years later, that person would walk up to us, and you knew who it was instantly.
1: If not instantly, just a couple of sentences, and I had it.
0: Yeah, like immediately recognize the dude's voice, and I was standing. Me, I think James might have been there too. I, I was standing there. I was just like, "Holy cow!" Like, we had such a. Um, We had such like a brief interaction with this person the first time Mm -hmm. two or three years prior that like me seeing him and hearing him talk, it took me, my brain a second to go back and remember who it was and you couldn't see him. And you, you were like, what's up, Alex? What's going on, dude? Right?
1: Yeah. It was, it was really quick and I was surprised. I was like, whoa, how did I? It it was a thought like, "Whoa, how did I know who that was so fast?" But you did
0: that multiple times. It wasn't that's just the one circumstance that I think about. But you did that multiple times over the years. Um, What kind of resources? How did you how did you seek out resources, or what? How did you find what you needed to be able to function with this this news that you were given?
1: Uh, well. I didn't know where to turn, you know. I didn't even know where uh, people got their canes. Um, I I just, you know, seen them on TV. You've seen, seen peop- people with them at least once or twice in your life. I didn't know where to start. So I reached out. See, that's that's another thing. And some people might not recognize how much of a coping skill being able to actually reach out and ask for help is. That that's such a major change for for me because in the past, I would refuse to ask for help because I felt like it made me weak. But once I released that, I was able to ask for help.
0: How did you learn how to do that? What taught you that that was okay?
1: Meditation, people who were um, focused on healing and growth. So growth-based coping skills got me to that point Mm -hmm. to where I learned it's okay to need people, it's okay to need to not know everything. It's okay not to be perfect. Self acceptance helped me get there. So many things, so many different factors. All the work, all the the self uh, work that I did. Yeah. So I was perfectly comfortable at this point with asking for help. Especially one thing that really got me there was um, needing the support in school at sec. If sec really got me accustomed to advocating for myself and you you had
0: learned over the years how to advocate for yourself
1: how to ask for help how to Mm -hmm. how to find if somebody didn't know i knew how to how to ask
0: somebody on this campus that could that could help answer your question yeah
1: and that helped me here and i knew someone my buddy um clayton ammons uh shout out if you get to listen to this i'm gonna make you listen to it um uh he he's vision impaired he was already cane dependent um he has about 5% of his vision. I have about 10. Um, I haven't got re- rechecked. I don't know if that's changed, but um, I so reached out to him.
0: He was somebody who you had previously known mm-hmm. from SEC, SEC from school, mm-hmm. until um, so you hit him up.
1: Yeah, I hit him up. We d- we weren't super close yet. We had had interactions uh, at one point we had discussed, uh, forming a band. It was like a <laughs> passing conversation and it was at one point i walked up to him. Um, I'd not talked to him before, but I walked up to him outside. He was getting in, um, his taxi that would later be our taxi because of his help. Um, and I said, yo dude, what's up? My name's Trevor. Um, I noticed that you have visual problems too. Uh, I also have, um, problems with my vision and not to the point you do. I'm not cane dependent yet. Ha ha ha. I, I laughed. Um, that
0: was the first time y'all talked.
1: That was the first time I talked. I just, I just wanted to talk to him. I never, I hadn't met some, I hadn't met someone who had severe vision problems like I did. Um, his was worse at the time. Still is. Uh, you know, Jim sent versus five, but I, I just, he seemed really cool. He always had really colorful hair, <laughs> so I was like, "I'm going to talk to this guy. This guy seems like someone I need to know." And wow, was
0: I right? Yeah, and that's the thing about it, though, is that like the Trevor Gates that I met in 20, late 2015 or early 2016 wouldn't have even approached somebody. I
1: wouldn't would not right? have. So
0: just like I didn't approach you, we talk about the the work that you put in to. Um, to grow, to heal, to challenge yourself, to achieve your full potential, uh, allowed you just to like have that conversation, which opened a door mm-hmm. to a ton of resources. A ton. So what, I
1: I not known it. I didn't know that that was going to happen at the time. But why wow, am I grateful it did?
0: So what did Clayton tell you?
1: Well, whenever I found out the news, I started thinking who who can I turn to? Who wouldn't know who I need to talk to? To find resources for um, legally blind individuals, people with visual impairments. And I thought, oh wait, what's that kid? What's that guy's name? That goes to SEC? Clayton. Clayton. And I'd had his number. I looked him up and I called him. I said, hey, dude, <laughs> it's Trevor.
0: <laughs> Remember me? Remember
1: me? We had that. We were talked about being in a band, one once. <laughs> and you know, I just, I just, I said, hey, can we like sit down and and talk. I got some news, and I don't really know who to turn to, and you were the only person I could think of. And he said, "Yeah, of course, dude, let's do it." And we sat, we sat down uh, at here at SEC somewhere, and I said, "Well, dude, I found out that I'm going blind. My vision is deteriorating. Um, I really, the doctors suggest I really need to get a cane. I don't know where to go. There's a website. Get them on Amazon." Is there a discount coupon? I don't know.
0: Like, Where do I even start? Where do I even start? So the, the doctors didn't even really... They didn't really know. ...offer you any success. type of, like, what the next steps are. Yeah. You were kind of, mm-hmm. I don't want to say left on your own, but you were kind of, like, forced to figure that stuff out, mm-hmm. to navigate the next steps on your own.
1: They didn't know about the resources. They certainly didn't know about these. Um, but yeah, and he introduced me, Clayton introduced me to Division of the Blind, which is a, uh, um, government organization that deals with helping people who are blind and visually impaired. Um, it's kind of like, uh, Job Corps. They help, they help people with a range of disabilities, but this is more specific to, um, people with visual impairments, there's also a division of the, uh, the deaf and hard of hearing. Um, but I got what, I got their contact information, information like Clayton, Clayton was there. Like he didn't just go, here's their, here's their number. Call him. It's like, let's call him. And like him right there, te- uh, helping, helping me know what to ask. Um, I got an interview set up. They came, they came and got me and took me to the division of the blind, um, main office in Asheville where they did a uh, low vision evaluation and a needs assessment and they tested they they sent me to get a bunch of tests well I shouldn't know I shouldn't mention this is um, the first time I got to to meet with meet with them to figure out if they were going to be able to support me or not was you're at, at your my house. house. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I was at your house. That was the weekend I was supposed to, I was watching you your You watched the
0: dogs. I watched the dogs. So the lady drove all the way up to the top of the mountain to meet with you yeah. and have that conversation. I do recall that. I said hello to her. I was in the shower when she showed up.
1: You did. You're just like you're about to bounce. Yeah, I was. And so she sat with me, she explained, you know, what the what they did, what their um uh, mission was what her job was. She's her, her name is Tara. She's a um a case counselor for Division of the Blind. And she got came to get all the paperwork set up and got the first um low vision evaluation set up. Got helped guide me through everything that I needed to figure out. And when the low vision evaluation came, they tested me for, you know, um for them for themselves for themselves so they knew, knew what uh, resource they needed to open up and they also went went and, um got me some more tests with uh, eye doctors just so they could i needed a more thir- a thorough um evaluation and they learned that um i was in fact legally blind so w- with their testing and their really thorough um Procedures, I was finally officially um, pronounced legally blind, and everything just started from there. They got me a cane, trained me with it. It took a while to get used to it. They got me technology to help me in school, assistive technology, like magnifiers, handheld um, digital magnifiers, uh, screen readers. At the time, I was Still, a uh, kind of able to use readers Plus, um, magnif- advanced magnification software. Uh, they got, m- they got my as you call them, my blue blockers, um, light sensitivity glasses stronger than regular sunglasses because, um, vis- vision deterioration the sun are best friends. They like to hang yeah. out and get into trouble, and oh my goodness, the sun can really hurt when you have light sensitivity, um. And it, it was, it was really great. It was right when I needed it, and they had so much. They had so much more resources than I even initially thought. I even I had trouble with transportation. Um, on top of you know losing my vision, I was, I was starting to have trouble with transportation, and for a longest time, my transportation was my family, but I wanted um a little more, a little more freedom and to relieve the burden of having to. to be the ones, the sole ones to get me places and to get me home. My dad was starting a job that, um, didn't allow him to be as available. Um, so they also set me up with a local taxi company that they paid for. And it was the same one that Clayton used. So we got to spend more time together that way and in the taxi rides back and forth. Um, and yeah, so, just so so much um, valuable and resources. I didn't even think I could get help with.
0: Definitely easing that transition, right? Oh, so, so th- much. The initial, the initial fear, the initial um, stress, and kind of worry that you turn to you know, your meditation practice for, and you really like kind of leaned into like this somewhat devastating news, you know, wasn't what you were looking for, um, turned into just something so amazing where all these individuals were so wanting to support you, wanting to help you, wanting to lift you up, wanting to connect you and provide you with the resources had you had not reached out to all these individuals, who knows what would have happened, right? Who knows? Like, Clayton connecting you with the Division of the Blind, um, which led to all of those tools. All of these tools. Oh, my goodness. That allowed you to um, be successful in school, right? And Mm -hmm. and to really, like... And in life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, But then you... At the same time, like, as all this was happening, it wasn't long before E-Vision came into the picture. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, E-Sight. E-Sight? hmm My apologies, E-Sight. <laughs> E-Vision is a thing. Gotcha. We don't want to get them confused. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't long before E-Sight came into the into the picture, right? And so, like, yeah. you kind of, like, you you, you coaxed with the bad news. hmm right? And was perfectly prepared to
1: live mm-hmm. without seeing anyone ever again.
0: You immediately started um, learning to to live with your circumstances. You immediately started to um, engage in your meditation practice. You immediately started connecting to resources. And then what do you know? Like, It's kind of like one of those things where like, okay, these are the cards that I'm dealt. And when you can really just like authentically accept your circumstances somewhere along the road, down the road, something wonderful happens.
1: The universe rearranges itself. The
0: universe rearranges itself. So, how did you get connected with this e-vision thing? Like, what happened? And then what was your, like, what was your initial response once you, like, figured out what was, like, potentially on the horizon for you? What what, what was next, you know?
1: Right. Uh, Well, I had... Heard about them a year uh, prior to um, actually getting them. A friend just like mentioned that there was these electronic glasses, but um, they were made in Canada and they were like fifteen thousand dollars. And I was like, <laughs> "That'll like that'll happen. Yeah. I'll 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 chomp this arm off and get a gold one before that happens." Um, so that was. That 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 was just something I blew off, like psh, yeah, okay. Um didn't never had another thought about it afterwards because I'd never heard anyone else mention it. Um but then because of um my self care practices going to refuge recovery groups, we met Mr Um Tom Old Hippie. Mm-hmm. I mean Tom McMillan. He's an old hippie in my uh, phone. Um, and with that, I started going. Um, Tom introduced me to the um, Open Door Center for Spiritual Living. And it just all these things, all these um, different groups and realms, of, uh, and life started to connect. Like SEC, I met you. Um, I met and I got involved with um, in, all, in these groups. And these groups got me involved
0: with these groups. And Co- it SEC Collegiate Recovery, mm-hmm. Western, Western, Tom, Tom, Open Door, Open
1: Door, um, ARHE,
0: all from, all from your active engagement. Yeah, right? it's like you actively pursued bettering yourself. You actively pursued um, healthy ways of overcoming these circumstances that you've been dealt in your life. And then all this stuff came from it.
1: All all yeah. this stuff came from it. I, I with all this stuff i been mean, I was given a platform to work to help others. Um and with with all that I was also given a chance to get these to have, be able to see again. And it happened um uh, quite just out of the blue. Uh I started going to the open door center center for spiritual living. Tom picked me up, we'd go every Sunday or when I can, when school wasn't too overwhelming, um, I got really into it. I fell in love with the people that were there. They're over s- supportive, and then just happened to meet uh, uh, Doctor Doctor Reverend Kate Graceland, who um, is the communication teacher teacher at Haywood Community College. Um, she did a workshop at the Open Door. Which I um, was fortunate enough to get to go to because another open door spirit, uh, open door member, paid my way because they weren't going to be be there, but they wanted to offer a scholarship for another member to go, and they offered it to me, out of out of the kindness of their heart. Um, I got to go and uh, learn from learn from Kate, and she was incredibly
0: nice to me. But the the workshop that you showed up for it wasn't a e-site workshop no not at all it had nothing to workshop. do with e site yeah you guys just put the put two and two, two together, together at she, that time yeah, yeah.
1: exactly um, obviously because of reasons you could tell i couldn't see uh, maybe it was the wall i ran into who knows could have been the st- it wasn't the stick it wasn't the stick <laughs> <laughs> that that, that yeah. never gives anyone a clear in- indication mm. sometimes it really doesn't um
0: No, no. I've seen people at Ingalls with
1: you. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't the stick, wasn't the glasses. Um, But, yeah, she – and we just started talking. uh, We hit it off as friends. Um, She was really not – she showed me a lot of kindness, and she mentioned – at first, um, I didn't think nothing of it because I I had no hope of seeing again. I was perfectly accepting that I was going to be – a blind person for the rest of my life. I wasn't gonna see again. My um, days of enjoying visual media and the and the freedoms of the visual world were over. And outside of meditation, what's
0: your number one hobby?
1: Video games. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was over. I didn't actually tell you for about a year. I told you around the time I was starting to get I E sight, but I had. I again, it was another case of me not wanting people to worry about me because I knew if I started telling people I couldn't no longer play video games, they would get really worried.
0: That that, that would be a significant red flag for everybody in your immediate circle.
1: Yeah. So I kept that to myself. Mm -hmm. I still talked about video games like I was still playing them
0: even though... And you'd get as close and as close as you could. close and as close as I could. And Mm
1: -hmm. it it went to the point of I wasn't able to do it anymore. Um, But... I... um, We talked to... Kate, and she came to Open Door um, pro- after that um, initial meeting, and I, I didn't, I, like I said, didn't have no no hope, um, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I would love to um, talk to your friend, and it was a couple weeks later, but she came back to Open Door and mentioned it again, so it wasn't just something in passing at this point. It was something um, that was serious it was brought up more than once, so you know how the universe works. That means it was it was set in motion. And I said, "Yeah, I I've told totally Willing, to meet with with your friend. Her friend was uh, Doctor Mary Sedgwick, who um, was an site user herself, had her site for about a year, and is a total. Um, can I say the a, the a word? You say anything you want, man. Total fucking badass. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that just brutally. She's awesome. If you're listening. Uh, Mary, I love you. Thank you. Um, she was so supportive. She um, worked worked for site doing evaluations um, and whatnot. And what was awesome is Kate told me this, and then it happened, of course, is they do Eastside uh, evaluations for free, and they came to me. She came to me. Um, she came to Open Door after the service, and everybody left, and, um, I got to try them on, and it was amazing. I did not know what I was getting into.
0: Yeah, so the very first time that you put those glasses on was during a demo, a demo, a test of the of them, mm-hmm. evaluation, then, <clears throat> an evaluation, and. There's an actual video of that, right? There's a video of you putting them on for the very first time. There is. How, do you know how they can find it? Do they just uh, YouTube Trevor Gates site?
1: They can. I think they can do that. It'll or they can also go to um, uh, my Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and there's a link to my um, excuse me fundraising page that has the video okay. on it and you can also read my story just
0: for anybody who would like to see that, that initial response mm-hmm. we played it last time you're on i guess you could go back to episode 31 and see on it on youtube of nc raw and see it because i did play the video last time okay, well, i wasn't prepared to do that this time but carry on my friend
1: i will it's all good they'll they'll, they'll see it eventually
0: um well let's talk about it what was your you put those things on
1: it it was almost instant it it went from unrecognizable nothingness to whoosh the world was right there and i could see kate was the first face i had seen in so so many years like not just like not only could i tell she was there but i could see her like i could i could see her eye color i could see her facial details details i wasn't able to see eye color you're
0: zooming in on my face right now ever. aren't you i am i was zooming in <laughs>
1: I no legit. I don't think I've ever had the ability to see people's eye color. I've never been able to see that well.
0: Truly, since like you were a young. Truly, yeah.
1: Like that's I've never been able to see that detailed.
0: But until you put those things on, you didn't realize that that was something that people with normal vision. That's something that we like uh, don't even like recognize or that you did you weren't aware that it was such uh such a difference yeah in what what life was like as a young man
1: like i, I knew people had eye color people mm-hmm. go what, what close your eyes blue red, whatever um so obviously i knew people could see other people's eye color but i couldn't i couldn't it was always awkward when you know a girl would ask well, how what do you think of my eyes i'm like <laughs> they're beautiful what 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 color are they Mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. i could i couldn't tell um so i did i had no no framework of what that was like to be able to see that much detail of a person's face but it was a shock i could see her perfectly i could see a mountain dew bottle 10 feet away from me there was actually a mountain dew bottle in the room probably about 10 feet and i was able to zoom in like I can zoom in right now, and I see that TV up there. I can see outside the window over there. It. I can see what's something small. I can see the outlets over there where you're plugged in.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: It was, it was just incredible. I could see her. I could then look at my phone and actually see it without using a screen reader. If anyone's ever seen me with my phone, no, I can't see it I'm using a screen reader if I don't have these on mm-hmm. um and it was just it was mind-blowing I teared up like you can hear me in the video tearing up because um I think the question that Mary asked me was what does this mean for you that now, now that you know that these work I was like and I said i there's a chance I could see my mother's face again which was huge it was absolutely huge and after that we, went out, we did a little, little test with, um, uh, you know, the, the letters on the cards. And, I read, and I, then I went and read from a book. She had a book that had um, transitioning fonts. And one was uh, meant to be the size of fine print. And I was able to read each one of them as they increasingly got smaller. Including the fine print. Including the fine print. I was able to zoom in and read it perfectly. I was able to change the contrast um, to where it was even easier to read. I went outside and I was able to see the beautiful North Carolina mountains that I love. Um, I was able to see the the colors of the trees. I was definitely able to see that you can you can recognize separate leaves on the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to zoom in, see a bug. It was it was just it was incredible, and. Mary asked, asked me, do you want to own, uh, own a pair of these glasses? And I said, yes, I need these glasses. So right, at, right after that day, it started up fast and quick. Eastside was very supportive. Of course, um, I was not going to be able to fork out 6000 Actually, Actually, at the time, it was supposed to be um, priced at around 8000 Um, 8,500, what was the original price, but I got, um, very fortunate, um, towards the end, which I'll mention here later. Um, so I needed their help to fundraise and they had a whole, um, program where they helped guide me through the fundraising process. They helped me put together my fundraising page that a lot of y'all donated to, um, and it was it it was a very smooth process that I really would have struggled with if they wouldn't have um, supported me through that. And once once I had everything together, it it took off. People people rallied around me. That's one <coughs> of the main reasons I want. Um, I was excited to come back on because um, I know there's quite a few of your listeners who are direct reason um, in in me being able to see your face here today and everybody else's in my life. And I wanted to say thank y'all so much. Um, My mom thanks you. Um, My video game buddies, thank you. Um, Because
0: I'm... Your PS3 clan?
1: My PS4. PS4 clan? Thank you. My bad. Um, PS4... Clan, my squad, your squad. That's what that's what we that's what you call a video game group of video game nerds is a squad. Um, I'm back online and destroying um, people in the digital world, making twelve year olds rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, but it was fast, and I was so, I was so um, unprepared to witness the amount of support I received. Like, I never would have told you that the fundraising process would only have took taken a month and a half.
0: So it was an online, um, kind of like web based crowdfunding mm-hmm. kind of thing, almost like a like a Kickstarter or like a GoFundMe, but specifically for Eastside. Eastside. It's through a program through, called
1: CauseBox. Okay. Um, but it was set up so where it was convenient. There was no having to take it out and then send it to them. When, it, when I had the money raised, they took it directly out of that themselves, and my glasses were delivered.
0: Um, and we had talked when you initially launched the page. I mean, you got a, a solid response, and um, like you mentioned, like many people rallied right out of the gate.
1: Right out of the gate. But you also
0: were very humble in the process, and we talked a lot about, like, you know um how long could it potentially take is it going to take four or five months you know like you were really like um really really humble in the process right like you didn't you didn't have these grandiose expectations of it just like happening immediately right yeah i was prepared to wait if i remember so you were on this show in the beginning of november and it had only been up for like a week or two Mm -hmm. prior to coming on and you had it like what was it before christmas
1: yeah it was right before christmas week or two before christmas when i officially got them in the mail mm-hmm. it was fast super fast
0: like what did it feel like to see a community rally like that
1: i felt like like i belonged here and that wasn't something i i have i've experienced my whole life i've many a times in my past felt out of place in my community. Um, But it was, and some of them weren't even, a lot of them weren't even people who um, were North North Carolinians. Some of them were Floridians or what's the word for Florida people?
0: I don't know. Hashtag Florida man.
1: Hashtag Florida man. uh Thank you personally to your, um, your mother and aunt and who else?
0: Uh, I, there's, there's a bunch, man. There's a lot. i we'll to, we can go back and look. That's all, that's what I know.
1: That's what you know. they like, people in Florida never even met me.
0: You've got a lot of, there's a lot of people to thank. So I think just a good general thank you is, is, is definitely good enough. And they did it for, you know, like, there's, you're in it. Like, you got to look at the story and you got to look at, like, what, um, What it is that you're going to be doing, have already done um, for this community, for this college in the future. Like you have some wonderful things happening. You immediately upon receiving the glasses, you immediately like engaged yourself with the community on top of all the stuff that you were previously doing. Um, But let's talk about like when you. So what happened? You raised the money. You got a package delivered to your house. Mm-hmm. I came in the mail. So what? Just let's talk about that, opening up that box and knowing that like these things are actually going to be yours.
1: It was so surreal. like it 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 was a different and also amazing experience than just trying on the demo pair because this was mine. This was these were my e site um, that I was gonna use that I was gonna get to see. And it was, it was such a sweet experience. Being able to open the box, and my parents were right there helping me put it, put the uh, the parts that need to be put together together. There wasn't many. I just had to put the um, straps on and whatnot, and then figure out how to turn them on. That w- that was a the hardest part. That was the hardest part. <laughs> okay, let's how do I turn these things on? Um, but once. Once we got it all figured out, we figured out that we had to actually um, put the battery in it first, um, and got it on. It started to turn on. My dad, my dad, I never, I never forget it. As when the glasses turn on, I can see a light in them because it's popping up. Um, oops, it's popping up uh e site on the screen and a message that tells me not to drive. If anyone was running, <laughs> I will not be able to drive you anywhere. That's the first message. So <laughs> I got the questions afterwards. Does this mean you're gonna be able to drive? No. No it does not. Um <laughs> but as the as the glasses booted up and they that was, so
0: that was the first thing you saw was that kind of like warning message.
1: Warning message. Uh-huh. But as they actually turned on and and my vision uh cleared and everything focused, my dad was the first um, uh, face I saw and I said, daddy, I can, I can, I can see you. I can, I can, I can see that you're there. And I, it made my old, um, bald headed daddy, um, tear up, which is a very satisfying experience. <laughs> You've met my dad. He's not a crier. Um, and then I got, of course I got to see my mother's face. It was the first time I seen her face when I tried them on. She wasn't, she wasn't there. Um, but she was there when I got my own pair, and it it was it was just incredible. I probably played with them for a good solid two hours straight.
0: Crushed that battery. Crushed
1: it. <laughs> it, it I crushed the battery. I I had to charge them like that night because um, I was just sitting there trying to figure out what all they did. And the support from side didn't stop with um, fundraising. Like they also. Had a program that started immediately after I got on where I was paired with a coach who was also a gamer, which was awesome. That worked out. Huh? That worked out great because <laughs> he had tips and tricks on how to game with eSight. Um, and also got put into another program alongside the actual um, eSight Site training program. I was asked to be a part of a study to where if I was, I would be chosen to be part of one of two groups. One was a group. That would just get the regular e-site training that everybody got, and nothing really extra. They would just go the the traditional path, and the experimental group would get access to um, six weeks of training with a low vision rehabilitation therapist and follow ups for up to six months with her. Um, and I got put in the experimental group, and I got to work with this. Um, low vision rehabilitation therapist. She was awesome. And not only was I getting trained by my coach to use the device itself, but she was training me on how to, um, reclaim skills that I'd lost from not having the ability to see. Like she tra- taught me how to write again a little bit. She taught me how to, um, use them for different read, um, different readings, like how, act- how practical skill building, mm-hmm. um, we using these for everyday life, which was great because I was also um, trying to use them in school. So I, as I would um, learn the skills um, of using vision with eSight, I would then take it to the classroom. You which could
0: immediately apply it. To immediately the apply it. Yeah. Ex-
1: apply it exactly.
0: So, not necessarily like the technical stuff behind it, unless you unless you're you do. But like, how does this thing work? So you got this. You got these these glasses. It mm-hmm. has. it Looks like a, there's like one or is there multiple camera lenses on the front, or just one?
1: I think it's just that one. Just that
0: one, and then you've got this like wired remote control. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what does that what does that thing do?
1: Well, this is, as you said, this is the remote. It's also it houses the battery in here. Um, it's a with just this battery, I get about a two and a two and a half to a three hour charge. But they're so powerful that they suck they suck battery power when they're off. Um, so alone battery is something that I have to be mindful of, but I do have two external batteries that are four hours um, each on full charge. But this is um, basically my controller. Uh, it, it is my controller. I don't want to say basically, but on this side I have this, um, what would you call this? Not Roller button.
0: Yeah, it's like a, almost like a thumb wheel. Thumb wheel. Scroller S- kind of deal. Scroller type of yeah. thing
1: that zooms in and zooms out. I can zoom in to up to 22 point something, which is uh, a lot. I've often made the joke you that
0: like, you're like looking at my nose right now. Yeah, bro.
1: looking at those nose hairs you need to trim. Jesus, yeah. bro. Uh-huh. Getting old with those nose hairs.
0: Yeah. Are, they Are they gray?
1: They're gray, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've often made the joke that because I'll actually be zoomed way too in on someone's face, like oh I can see your skin cells. <laughs> 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 they they zoom in far, mm-hmm. like, and it's pretty incredible. Then so
0: like for a classroom application, you can actually see the board mm-hmm. and hone in on, hone in on specifics. It. Yeah,
1: and I can also with the button that's right below that one in class, which I've used just so looks much. Like this that's semester, just like
0: an up and a down button.
1: Yeah, it's up and down. It also um it also clicks in. Okay, when I click it in. It pops up this, um, black, uh, square to where when I release, it'll automatically focus on whatever was inside the square.
0: Oh, cool. It's like a quick zoom. A quick zoom. Exactly. Uh Uh-huh.
1: And then below that, uh, I got the camera button. It takes pictures. It does not record. It is not VR. (laughs) So many people Mm -hmm. ask me if it was VR. Um... And I've used that so, so it's much. like
0: it's like taking a screenshot of what you're seeing mm-hmm. in front of you, yeah. as opposed to like you would take a screenshot on your phone. But it's taking a screenshot of what you're looking at.
1: What I'm looking at. What's uh-huh. in my What's in my line? That's line pretty of sight. dope, man. It's been really helpful in my anatomy and physiology class because mm-hmm. it'll be something um, that I knew I wouldn't remember on the board, and I just ch- ch- doesn't even make a sound, so it's not um, disrupting class. Then below that, we got the power button. Um, but then here, I don't know if this is in the camera.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's going to be hard to see, but.
1: Um, we got the uh, pad, as I call it. And with this pad right here in the middle, if I click on it, it pops up a menu. And I got all my basic settings, like view. I go in and change and change from camera to HDMI. There's It also has a flashlight in it. The very next thing is a, is a light. It's like, so like if
0: you're in a dark. Mm-hmm. Light it up. Uh-huh.
1: Display, a camera, pictures, airplane mode, setup tools. There's so much in here um, to do. And these other things help me to navigate the, uh, the menus. Then over here, we, this button controls uh, contrast and brightness. So I can, if you're kind of... If the room's not well lit, I can brighten it up, and then I can use this button for um, to clear it up for clarity.
0: Okay, dude, that's pretty sick, man. So upon receiving this thing, um, you know, you immediately began to use it, using it in the classroom, training, obtaining the skills on how um, to use it properly. But I kind of alluded to like you also got really involved in. The community and some other organizations, collegiate recovery, like a lot of things just started happening.
1: Activism. Activism. So So let's,
0: I want to talk about collegiate recovery a little bit. I want to talk about how you got involved um, with some of the national collegiate recovery efforts and like what's on the horizon for you. What Eastside gave you, has given you through collegiate recovery, like what some of the achievements and what you've been able to do so far.
1: Okay, well. Let's get into this. this Let's a, get into this. Some meat this. and potatoes, folks. Yeah. Um, unless you're vegan, uh, <laughs> which I will soon kind of be. Um, so. Because
0: uh, we had done some collegiate recovery stuff. We started the program here on campus. Uh-huh. and um And we went to a couple of like the regional conferences. So much. Yeah. So many, so many conferences,
1: especially, uh-huh. in, especially um, in the months since uh, Eastside. Um, well, I guess I'll start with, I mentioned on the um, other podcast, I won't go too much into this one because I do mention it in the um, previous podcast, but I went to the Knox Natural Collegiate Recovery Conference in um, Houston, Texas last year before my E-site, way before my E-site, um, which was awesome. It was my first plane ride. Um, and it was the first time I was in a, a big city like that. Uh, and that, and I got to go to that. Through um, ARHE's Student Ambassador Program, and in the months leading up to when I'll get east I also um, at that conference I went to some social justice talk talks with probably some of the most badass women you'll ever meet, um, making changes and um, breaking down systems that don't support everybody, um, and I was inspired, and there was. A social justice issue that um, is directly affects me um, and countless other people um, on this planet, which is ableism, discrimination against people with disabilities, um, and it was only ever mentioned in a list of all the other isms, which they're all important and all need to be talked about. Um, but it was no one, no one ever went into detail about ableism, and so I asked if that had ever been presented about and talked about, they said no. And I got the um, desire to to bring it, to bring ableism awareness, to quiz recovery, to bring ableism awareness um, to the public eye in general. And alongside my um, friend and research partner, who I met at the ninth um, National Quiz Recovery Conference, Antoine Mills, we... Um, Became research partners and began a journey to get our message um, on the ninth, on the ninth National Clean Recovery Conference stage. Um, and a lot of things came out of that journey. We didn't know where to start, so we started asking questions. And they and ARG and Safe Project US um, ARG stands for Re- Association Association Recovery and Higher Education um was starting up the Collegiate Recovery Leadership Academy, which included um a, a spot in the conference, uh, in the the, the big one, um, in Boston, the Tenth National Collegiate Recovery Conference. So we both joined that, um, to kinda get our foot in the door, to kinda get some mentorship on how to put together this project. Um and I through that I got to go to Colorado, um, to the uh, leadership Collegiate Recovery Leadership Summit in Keystone, Colorado. I got to um, s- ski for the first time in my life. Without these, of course, I wasn't, wasn't about to ski with $6,000 worth of equipment on my face, um, especially since I did wind up falling. They were, because of my um, abil- um, willingness to ask for help and to say, hey, I need some accommodations, I just straight up asked um, the um ARHE leadership if there would be things that I could enjoy during the conference like extracurriculars because they were talking about it and I really didn't think I'd be able to participate in skiing I was like well is will there be anything that people with physical limitations can do and they said yes uh we are actually planning to have a um disability um skiing a skiing instructor who is a um disability disabilities um accessibility support coach who was able to literally teach me how to ski well uh teach me how to ski without being able to see a thing and it was it was pretty awesome fell on my rear one good time
0: yeah cuz it's not something where you Want to take your six thousand yeah. dollar East Side glasses out in the snow? Yeah, no. In attempt to learn how to ski your first time. No, these. But you had a coach. I Had a coach who was to trained work with you. Uh huh.
1: Who who was training to help people like me? Um and yeah, there's a there's video out of it. I got to I got to ski down the mountain. We stayed on the beginner stuff because you don't want to go too hardcore when you don't even know how to stand up. Um, <laughs> but I at that conference. It, w- it was amazing. I got to um, teach my first uh, meditation class there. Um, it, it wasn't the first time I, I did guided uh, meditations, but it was the first time it was an actual workshop that I got to teach. So that's another thing that I'm starting to get into is teaching meditation. Um, and then that weekend was the deadline to propose, to submit a proposal, to do a Um, session at the 10th National Collegiate Recovery Conference. Now, um, the students in the Collegiate Recovery Leadership Academy do get to present, but it's on a smaller scale. Mostly the people who would be in attendance were going to be specific to the Collegiate Recovery Leadership Academy, um, which was good, but they also said, now if you want to, you could submit a proposal to the conference itself to try to get on you know um, to try to be able to present to the the whole the whole conference you know the, do do the big shebang and we said well what what do we want to do do we want to um aim for aim high and um be grateful for whatever we got and we we're like yeah we're go- we're going to do that we we aim high we submitted a proposal um to do a session on ableism awareness um at the 10th National Leader Recovery Conference, and to our surprise, people um, wanted to hear what we had to say, and our proposal was accepted um, as a keynote, closing keynote, and we were also asked to do a 60-minute extended breakout session on top of that, all talking about ableism, and it it's going to be awesome. My flight just got booked. Thank you, ARHE. Um, Who is the ARHE? Association for Recovery and Higher Education. Mm-hmm. Uh, they um, have been incredible uh, supports and really just giving me, me and my research partner Antoine a platform to speak. And I'm I'm pretty pumped. But on top of that, um, I got a chance to. Um, talk about ableism um on another stage as you know you you saw and it was it was kind of spontaneous little felt spontaneous because
0: you didn't know what you're getting into before like it wasn't a pre-planned engagement right exactly uh-huh.
1: it, it was sort of kind of because I still I, I still submitted a proposal for mm-hmm. it but um it was at the I don't, I don't exactly remember what what um what number of year the, the convention was but it was at the people's wave convention in washington dc um, which i got to go through thanks to a local um organization called down home north carolina
0: um how did you get involved with down home north carolina
1: i got involved again the strings connect just started at scc with all that and just connect um i was also i'm also a graduate and involved in the, the organization called Circles of Hope, um, and a very wonderful person named Chelsea White. Shout out to Chelsea. Um, came to to a Circles of Hope meeting, um, and she sat with the graduates who are the social leaders. Um, Cir- Circles of Hope is an organization that helps um, provide skills and training to help people um, get out of poverty and advocate for better-paying jobs and such. Um, but she came and she heard me running my loud mouth about some stuff. Gave Shocker! Me, gave me a couple, <laughs> gave me a couple snaps. You know, uh
0: uh-huh.
1: that that snappy thing. I don't know how they roll. You know, you know, you know how it is. Uh-huh. Us, us loud mouth advocates. Um, and after that, she, I expressed um, that she wanted to meet with me. She asked if, I, if I'd be willing to sit down. I said, Yeah, of course. Um, so we met for coffee. Uh, I told her she wanted to hear my story. So I told her my story of, um, why I'm so passionate about speaking up for equality and the issues of others that, um, may or may not directly affect me. Um, a lot of them do not, but that's what you do as a person who cares about others. Um, and, she explained her story and a bit about down home and I was like yeah that exactly sounds like something I want to be part of and it and it goes back to site. I got an urge to get even more involved um, with my community and with activism and uh, being a voice of change for the good of the people because my community and communities that barely even knew me rallied around me and helped me see again. So I felt like it was my job to pay that forward. I needed to do something, um, and do that and do that something for the people. So I joined them, went to, went to my first, uh, meeting side. Yeah, this is definitely what I, something I want to be a part of. Um, so now I'm a dues paying member of down North Carolina. um, and it was, it was a pretty spontaneous thing. Uh, they were like, oh, since you're, you know, get getting involved with us, how would you like to go to Washington, D.C.? And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I, I was planning some travel, but not um, that soon. It was, they, I got involved with them at the beginning of April, and the trip was going to, uh, well, um, a little bit before April. Um and then the trip was going to be at, at the end of April. And I had some other things that might have going on. So I said, I will get back to you. Uh, fast forward, the decision was made. And I said, I said yes, I will take the opportunity. I'll go to D.C. It was awesome. It was a, a great trip. I made some long-lasting um, friendships. Nearly killed some people with laughter. Um talk talk about laughter and my future plans with that in a minute. Um shout out to Katie ma- made her laugh until uh, almost till she cried. Um but when we got there I had gotten emails from the People's Action um newsletter about the conference and they're like, "Do you do you want to run a session um submit a proposal, you know?" Um, and I was like, "Yeah, okay. I will I'll submit a proposal. I wouldn't expect anything cuz it was, there was like a week. Um, it was like a, I had a week to do it and it was during a busy part of the semester. So I just, I put together um, a quick proposal, submitted it, didn't think of it afterwards because I didn't hear not, hear anything about it. I didn't um, do my proper research and to figure out exactly what the proceedings, how the, the, these sessions that I was signing up, up to do were going to get chosen. And when we got there, I learned, when we got to D.C., I learned that, that there was 15 proposals and only eight were going to be able to um, have hold a space at the conference, at the People's Wave Convention. Excuse me. Um, and they were going to put it up to the people to vote. Well, I, again, the people believed in me. And my ableism awareness um, session got the most votes. And I was able to talk about um, ableism in this huge auditorium with all these all these people w- willing to come listen to me babble um, and ramble, um, and it was awesome. It was it was absolutely amazing. I got such a great um, uh, reaction and so much audience involvement. There was a segment where I was my goal was to get people to talk and. To tell their stories, to, to tell um, personal stories of how they've dealt with ableism, of how they dealt with the struggles of having a disability. I talked about how the word, the language we use, and this applies to absolutely everything, uh, applies to collegiate recovery, it complies to act, it, uh, complies, applies to activism. Um, the language we use is powerful, and what we speak matters. Uh the words we speak matters. And if we have language that's growth-based, that's that's the terminology I decided to use, growth-based language, um it it means that we're using language that promotes a person to grow and improve and doesn't tear them down. The word disabled while um a lot of people made made this point in the past, that was a victory to get people start saying disabled and disability. Now we're in a point where that's changing, and that word is not, doesn't promote growth. It's a hopeless term, as I um, said during my talk, because yes, without these electronic glasses, I can't see my hand in front of my face, but I'm definitely not helpless. I'm definitely not uh, unable to do anything, and neither is anybody else. So that word doesn't really fit um, unless you're a vegetable and so I promote you know there's new language out there like differently abled it's just like pleasure recovery changing the language and you start speaking life into someone mm-hmm. and people just took to it they started they uh, we passed the microphone around they started telling about their uh, about their stories and then someone asked and I love this. Because what's activism if you can't talk about what's happening in the moment right then? Um, someone asked if it was appropriate to talk about where they felt they, their needs weren't com- completely met at that conference we were at. And they are like, would, would this be okay? Would this be appropriate? And I said, yes, we're at an activism conference. This is what we do. Hit it. And people started saying, you know, that the hotel, this big old bougie, can't say that with an accent, hotel... Uh, the Marriott didn't have a really good way for people in wheelchairs, people with mobility issues, to get down the stairs. There was this old, this old lift that you had to have two people to operate, and that means you had to have two people de- um, to volunteer to be with you, and it didn't, it didn't promote independence. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really great. People are really getting into it. And what came out of that is at the next conference, um, my friend Lynn Carver, your you're amazing. Um, a guy that we met through through my um, presentation, named Dave, and and myself are going to be um, a part of the next conference as the disability sports team. Lynn as the coordinator because she is great at that stuff. Dave as the logistics details guy, and me as the disability advisor. Um, and change came through that. It was amazing. <coughs>
0: What I hear you saying is, you spoke so highly of this growth-based language, right? Mm -hmm. But what I see in you, and what I've seen over the over the last you know three almost four years that that we've been close friends, is I see a a growth-based lifestyle, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Um, You know, that's rooted in the community. That's rooted in this connection, this healthy connection with the people who you've associated yourself with. If we could take a step back and look like this kid, and I we talked about this on the last podcast, this kid who was intimidated to raise his hand in the classroom in 2015, right? Mm-hmm. This, this kid who sat quietly almost in the corner and just kind of like was there, right? hmm Is now traveling the country, right? Speaking publicly about these issues, speaking publicly about your life, speaking publicly about the things that you've experienced and talking ab- about your story and talking about how you've grown um, over the just in such a short period of time, right? In four years? Mm-hmm.
1: Feels like more, but it yeah. was really a fast fast bit of experience
0: in only four years you went to houston texas mm-hmm. you went to colorado mm-hmm. you went to dc mm-hmm. now you're going boston to Massachusetts, Boston baby. this summer um, being tam we were talking on tuesday you know when you went to houston last summer it was your first time out of on an airplane mm-hmm. traveling in the air i was so scared <laughs> when you came back from dc you said you wished you would have flown
1: I wish, oh my God, that car ride was exhausting. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was just like, you know, like it's just little things like that that like show how much you've changed, show how much you've grown because of the work and because of the effort that you've put in and challenged yourself to live this growth based lifestyle as opposed to just like dealing with the bullshit in the classroom and just sitting there and not being, not being your, not growing Just into being your, a body, yeah. Not growing into your authentic self and not being your true self, but more of like conforming to the circumstances that you've been dealt, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you stepped up,
1: yeah, I did, and it, it's it amazes me too because 2015 and prior, I did. I would I couldn't speak to a stranger let alone known let known a crowd of strangers
0: um and now you can stand up on the stage number one see the strangers see the strangers <laughs> number <laughs> All, two a clump of them
1: I <laughs> yeah. only got I only gotta use the zoom out vision. feature zoom out feature <laughs> make sure I see as much of this little square as I can uh, uh-huh and it's 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 so it's rooted in my love of people it's rooted in the self-love that i was lucky to finally find because a lot of my problems because in all honesty i hated myself for a long longest time i really did and um it was hard like i said i battled suicidal ideation. um i went went through severe depression i had severe anxiety um it was crippling anxiety i couldn't uh, look, Lori Clancy in the face when I first met with her to join the Human Services program. Um, I honestly never expected to get this much out of my experience at Southwestern in the Human Services program. I know that there's so many factors and groups and organizations and people that have got me here. All started with that decision. All started that decision because I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. I wanted. Um, I saw my mother on life support.
0: Yeah, talk about talk about what led you to that that point. And while you do that, I'm gonna run to the restroom real quick. Okay, I have n- I never do this in the middle of a podcast, but that that Mountain Dew got <laughs> <me>. <laughs> getting you. Um, yeah. So talk about like you know the beginning of all of this. Talk about what led you to Lori Clancy's office to pursue a degree in human services, and like what that what influenced you in, in taking that step? Cause even that in itself is that was a, was a courageous act. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: It was, it took, it took a lot of guts, especially when you don't believe in yourself. It's hard to make a decision to do something. that's going to take a lot of effort. Um, but it all started cause um, my mother is five years clean and sober. Um, but five years ago, it had to almost get to um, the point of fatality before um, change could start to be uh, to begin. Uh, she was placed on life support because of complications of um, drug and alcohol addiction, and we were given twelve hours, um, twelve hours time, which was going to be the crucial period of time that would tell if she was going to wake up again, and I in that time I got a moment to be alone with her and I got to tell her how I felt, even though she was, you know, not, uh, conscious. And I told her that I loved her and I was going to make something of myself. I was going to be something. Um, I was going to make her proud and she opened her eyes. She was going to see that no matter what it took. Um, and, She did. She did get to see that because I was lucky enough she woke up and she's um, doing great these days. But my goals changed. My priorities changed. At first, I was in school. I was going to be a music teacher. Um, But then I decided after that that my purpose in life was helping people. I didn't know where to start, but through circumstances, I joined the Human Services Technology And human services, substance abuse treatment programs at um, Southwestern Community College. And it all just um, blew up in a blaze of growth. And um, three years later, it's an absolute, been probably the best decision I ever made in my life. I only expected to join a college program, get a degree, and leave. But I got more than just um, some expensive books and a piece of paper that I'll get six weeks after the 18th. I got
0: All the things that we talked about tonight.
1: Yeah, I got life back. Well, life for the first time, I found how, who I was. I was able to finally be my authentic self, and I'm doing things that literally... Um, a lot of people, literally so many people in my past, n- never, ever thought I would be able to do, and for a long time I didn't either. But you're not um, doomed to live in the expectations of others. If you have a dream, then the only person that has the power to to get that dream to become a reality is you. It doesn't matter if you need a lot of help or a little help on the way. If you believe in it, then it'll happen. The right people will come in your play, come into your um your life and it'll either be a slow rise or it'll be a skyrocket, but it will happen.
0: So what would you say to that that young young man who's going through some difficult times over at Smoky Mountain High School or that young man that's on the fence about what's next like how would you encourage somebody to, to take the take the steps that you did
1: find something you believe in don't
0: but what did you believe in at that time
1: I believed in um, I believed in people I believed that I wanted I wanted to help people. I believe that that was my purpose in life. I want to do something that benefited others. I want to do something that improved the quality of life of others. Whatever gives you a feeling of life, whatever helps you to feel um, that feeling of, I'm doing something that's meaningful, latch on to that and chase it relentlessly. I often um, use the term that it took, relentless dedication for me to get to where i am we've
0: well, always held yourself to a high standard mm-hmm. right
1: because if i didn't and i've and i've, and I've said this before uh, it it comes from being a person with a disability for me it's either all all and plus some or nothing because i can't do stuff half half you know half effort if I don't put everything, I won't get anything out of it. So I had to put absolutely everything into um, the dreams I had, into the relationships that um, I wanted to have with people. I had to put everything into them. And don't, my advice is don't focus on the time it takes, don't focus on um, what other people expect of you or think you're supposed to do don't focus on what you don't have find something that gives you life and then chase it relentlessly because that's the only way raising well that's the only way it's going to come true you're not it's not going to fall into your hands if you don't put the work in
0: the week of this recording you had your painting ceremony i did that was crazy a couple nights ago to stand up on that stage or at that podium and um, <clears throat> look out in the room and see uh, see all the people who supported you along the way, who encouraged you when you needed it, who challenged you when you needed it, people who literally acted as my eyes, people who acted as your eyes. What did that feel like? Knowing that this this chapter of your life has come to an end.
1: It was the most incredible feeling I've ever had in my life. Um, It was bit, it was exciting. It was wonderful. It was sad. It's bittersweet, but more sweet. It's scary because there's a lot of big things happening. um, As soon as almost immediately after this chapter of my life is closed um, on the, after the morning of the 18th, so much is going to happen. And, I, there's some there's some some fear there's never there's never excitement without fear with these type of um, uh, life changes. Um, it's bittersweet because these hallways, these buildings, these hills have been a home to me. This SEC Southwestern Community College is more than just um, um, a college. It's more than a school to me. It's been a home in every building. I know there's someone I can go to that I can talk to if I need help or if I just need someone to listen to me. There's people who are, if I, if they can't find out the answer to my questions, they'll find someone who can, um, and it's good. I'm excited. I'm so excited, but it's, it's so, it's going to be so hard to say goodbye. It was hard to say goodbye. Uh, cause I gave my first goodbye on Monday night. Um, But it was was so amazing. Um, I just looked out and almost every single face I could give you multiple reasons to why that person is a reason I was standing there. And I don't I am so grateful. Um, I could not have done it without every single person that was in that room every single person that couldn't make it um i have started saying that um i'm not self-made it took a lot of effort on my part to get here but self-made is is not what i am because i'm people made i'm community made i was lifted up by others i didn't It took a lot of effort. It took a lot of fire in me to prove people in my past wrong. That was my motivation for a long time. It's not really anymore because I've gone so far past their expectations. I can't even um, notice their expectations are even there anymore. But I didn't, I didn't do this alone. Yeah. I, I get, I get to feel the pride too. I get to feel the pride and go, wow, look what I've done. But People got me here. I'm people-made. I'm community-made. And when I close the chapter on the 18th, I graduate. I go and I present in Boston uh, at at ugh, in Boston at BU, Boston University, on ableism. And then after that, when I move out of my parents' house into my own apartment with my with my homeboy Clayton.
0: So here it is, all right. Here it is. <clears throat> the guy, Clayton. Clayton who you walked up to say, Hey, I'm Trevor Gates. Nice to meet you. We have some things in common. Let's, you know, can, how, can you help me out? Can you, right. po- can you point me in the right direction? Here it is. What a year later, year and a half later,
1: year and a half later.
0: And you guys are, you're going to be moving out of your parents' house, mm-hmm. right? With the ability to see,
1: with the ability to see and the support
0: and the support system in place right, and you guys are going to be roommates, Mm -hmm. and you're going to be walking on the campus of WCU Mm -hmm. and getting involved with the Collegiate Recovery Program there, Yep, being a leader in that program because of the work that you've done over here and with ARHE. With
1: all the other people.
0: (laughs) And everybody else,
1: right? I'm doing something. I'm doing a lot of somethings that are just peak of the mountain type. Mountaintop type stuff, dude. Like, oh my goodness, I never thought I could. I I never thought I'd be traveling the country and speaking at conferences. Like, I never saw myself as as that type, that type of guy, that type of person. Never thought I'd be able to live, er, live it um, in my own space without um the care of my parents. Um, they've given everything, everything to me, all the support I could ever ask for. Um but with all this, this, this growth-based lifestyle that I've been living, um, having people that were, um, also living growth-based lifestyles, I've grown to the point where I'm confident in my ability to support myself, um, on my own for the first time, which is a mind-blowing, um, thing for me to say, and, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome because you know Clayton is also visually impaired, so he's not going to move my stuff. Dang sighted people! Um, that's that's one thing that
0: I'll come over there. And I'll mess say it. I'll don't say the
1: sighted people don't move a visually impaired person's stuff. We can't find it; <laughs> it might be disorganized, but I know it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, not really. Um, and oh, it's gonna be so great. I'm gonna be go like you said. I'm gonna be going to WCU. Um, gonna get um, involved with. Catamounts for Recovery, and I'll be pursuing my bachelor's and uh, bachelor's in social work and psychology, a master's in psychology, and eventually the big one, the huge, huge, huge one, um, the first gates to ever have, to ever be called doctor, well, the first gates in my, my string of them, uh, a doctorate in clinical psychology.
0: Got it all planned out, man. Got a roadmap. Got a roadmap. I'm going
1: for it. I'm going to the top. My personal top. Mm-hmm. Um. And a lot, a lot of people would ask, you know, how you gonna, how you gonna manage all that? And the only response that I ever give them is with the help of others, and at any means necessary.
0: Yeah. How old are you, man?
1: Twenty three years old.
0: What I'm hearing is that like. The Trevor that I met would have been, at that time in his life, like overwhelmed, filled with fear of any type of substantial change like this.
1: Oh, right? I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to handle a, right? a crowd at Walmart, or let alone a
0: conference with a couple thousand. And now, this growth based lifestyle living, Trevor Greets. Embraces the change, right? Good and bad, Mm -hmm. right? You have a clear understanding of this influx of life. And even if it's
1: unpleasant, this too can be here.
0: Appreciation for um, these wonderful things that are happening to you and a very clear understanding of some of the more difficult things. A a clear and acceptable, accepting understanding of the, the more difficult things that are hap- that have happened and potentially will happen um you recently finished your internship mhm at right? mountain projects at mountain projects and what did that turn into that's like true You got to give them some love
1: yeah got to give them some love
0: um like all these all these, all this, these people. it goes back to people right goes back to people, goes back to people goes back to these these organizations that you've gotten yourself involved in but what what happened over at mountain projects man
1: well, uh, I did my work based learning with them for the past two semesters, um, which was an absolute, just a, again, another amazing experience with great people who um, supported me. And because I gave it my all for them, they gained confidence in me. And I have a part a job starting with them as a prevention specialist, um, which will begin um, sometime. In the fall, and it's going to be my first actual job. Job, um, and they're they're gonna they're gonna work with me in my school schedule. Um, a lot of my work is going to be on Western's campus. I've learned because um, they got some plans uh, on campus, and it's like wow, I'm gonna be um, a prevention specialist and getting paid for it working to help people uh, while I go to school to be able to, be able to help more people. And they, they've been awesome. I'm also going to a conference in Raleigh with them in June. Um, I love the people there. I've gotten learned from Patty uh, Tibry and Mark Pylon who have taken me under their wing and taught me so much. Um, Mark has given me great advice on beard growth.
0: I was gonna close the show out with that. (laughs) (laughs) Carry on.
1: Uh, Sorry, you didn't let me know that you're gonna say the beard for last. Um, And so, just so much. Like there's, there's so much I can say how I benefited from this experience from learning under them. Um, And I just can't wait for what the future holds, my dude. I can't wait for what me and you do together. Um in our future uh partnerships, hopefully something to do with um stand up comedy. Also gonna be doing that in the future. Gonna tackle stand up comedy for those that know me, think I'm funny. Tell me what you think. Um Yeah, just so much, my dude. So, so 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 much.
0: I've been trying to get you to grow a beard. For almost three years. <laughs> three years.
1: Right. Would not do it. For
0: Had a months. million excuses.
1: Couldn't get over the itchy hump.
0: How did you get over the itchy hump this time? What influenced this growth? This well, growth-based lifestyle? <laughs>
1: growth. <laughs> just a, a quick note.
0: Trevor's a sucker for puns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in my speech during the penance ceremony, I'll get I'll get to this just in a second. I said that um, being at... Southwestern Community College. I had grown so much, and at the end of it, I, in that sentence, I said, and I'm not just talking about facial hair.
0: <laughs> that's that's just a little bit of the material that you'll get out of Trevor's future stand up endeavors, right there. <laughs> and you
1: are allowed to laugh at the blind yeah, jokes. Uh-huh. You won't see them coming. <laughs> but so it it started a little bit because of a sibling sibling rivalry. My brother, um, older brother, uh, Shane. Uh, who's a retired Army veteran, did three tours of Afghanistan and Iraq, um, has two... as the father of two of the most awesome little girls, and also started to grow a beard. And he was was growing a beard, and he was really confident about it, and um, me and him kind of go back and forth, giving each other a little grief. And I was like, dude, that beard's nothing. I had that at 15. Like, literally... They had a nickname for me, um, and about how I had the long hair and the full beard at fifteen. I could do that in my sleep. So I was talking, talking some big trash to my older brother, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna grow my beard. I'm gonna grow it out and show him up. And I really, turns out, I really like it once I got over the itchy hump. Um, it, it suits me. It does. I can do this and look
0: smart it does it, def- <laughs> it definitely suits you well listen man we're gonna wrap this thing up it has been a pleasure to call you a friend it's been just uh, an awesome experience to have you a part of my support system to watch you grow into in this man that you've become and in such a short period of time right achieving what you've done in the last three four years in comparison to what your future holds, it's going to be monumental, man. And I just can't wait to see what what's next for you, dude. You got you got major goals, you got major dedication and discipline and um yeah, dude. I just f- I fucking love you, bro. So. Love you too, man. Thank you so much. Thank man. you, NC Raw. Yeah, dude. Well, we'll have you back. Um look for Trevor Stand-up uh comedy coming coming your way on a future NC Raw production.
1: It's going to be awesome. Lots of laughs. You are allowed to laugh. I'll say that again. But my the name of it's going to be, please laugh. It's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, I appreciate it, dude. And we'll, and we'll do this again real soon. Thank you awesome. guys for tuning in. Y'all take care. Peace, peace, peace. peace. Out. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And a very special thank you to the Comfort Inn of Silva, North Carolina, for providing this recording space for us each and every week. Comfort Inn is a recovery ally, and they su- totally support community-based organizations like NC RAW. They're located at 1235 East Main Street, and they're also a part of the Choice Hotels chain. So you can check out the choicehotels.com for information regarding bookings and visiting the lovely area of Western North Carolina. Uh, if you're around, give them some love because they truly support us. So thanks for listening. Have a good day.